0: The first reading today is from Genesis 29, 15 through 21. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, But Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel. He said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, that I may go into her, for my time is complete. Then from Genesis 32, 22 to 32, The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of Jabbok, He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. And he said, why is it that you ask my name? And then there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place, the name of the place, the Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, we are starting this series on a summer of story with the story of jacob and uh, i'm excited about this series it's just fun to get into some of these stories uh just a little bit of intro first of all um what you're going to find this summer is our scripture readings may be a little longer right because if we're going to talk about a story we can't just read five verses we got to sort of read the story so you can expect that um and uh, we'll probably be doing stories, but you have to understand context. Like to understand these two stories, you really got to understand the whole life of Jacob. So I'm going to sh- kind of share that with you. Um, and, and I just want to make a note as I start out that when we, we start looking at Old Testament stories, there, there's this tendency to quickly get into this debate about historicity, Right. We do this like with, with Genesis, it's the same thing. When we start looking at Genesis 1, 2, and 3, everybody immediately goes to this debate of, well, is it a six-day creation, and what about evolution, and all these topics, and uh, did this really happen this way, how much of this is legend, that kind of thing, and, and I, I'll tell you exactly what I think about a lot of those conversations. They're boring, Okay. <laughs> They're just boring. They're just not even that interesting. And what we end up doing, like with Genesis, is we end up talking about science and evolution, that kind of thing. And we don't ever talk about the great poetry, the great beauty, and what the text is actually saying about life. And so I tend to just totally ignore those questions. And I'm just going to go for the story, and we're going to treat it as a story. And those other things, we're going to sort of leave, um, leave for another time in another discussion. And my hope is, in telling you these longer stories, that you'll be inspired to go back this week and read the stories of Jacob. Okay, I gave you little, little sections of reading, but there's chapters in between and there's all kinds of stuff going on. So let's talk about Jacob. Okay, Jacob, uh, what do we know about Jacob? Jacob has a brother named Esau. All right, who is uh, Jacob's father? Do we know this? Isaac, okay, Isaac. So we have Abraham, and then we have Isaac, and then Isaac has Jacob and Esau, okay? Uh, and um, Isaac marries a lady named, anybody? I'm testing your Sunday school now. Rebecca, Rebecca, okay? Isaac marries Rebecca, and uh, they have two sons, Jacob and Esau. It's a really kind of a funny story, because they're, they're twins, Okay. And Esau is born first, and the text says he comes out hairy. He's this hairy child, almost like he's wearing a cloak right away. That's what the text says, okay? But his twin brother comes out grabbing his heel, okay? So in, in Israel, in, in those days, the firstborn son got the inheritance, okay? Whatever any other brother got, the first brother got brother got. Uh, twice as much, so that there was one sort of family plot that was stronger than the other ones. Okay, there was a family lineage. And so it was important to be the firstborn. This becomes important in a lot of biblical stories. Okay, who's the firstborn? Esau, this hairy kid, right? So the hairy kid is first, he is the firstborn. Jacob comes out grabbing his heel, and they name him Jacob. Uh, there's two sort of Hebrew words that we're, we're not quite sure which one Jacob comes from. Maybe it's actually from both um in in hebrew you have three consonants and then the vowels are different and they don't write vowels they just put little dots for vowels okay so you can have the same word with the same three consonants but the vowels are different one word means to follow behind or to be behind and can also mean to supplant to circumvent to overreach okay the other word is actually just the word for heal Okay, So when Jacob is named, he's named as either, and probably both, the follower, the supplanter, or the heel grabber. Okay? That's Jacob. That's who Jacob is. Okay, So right from the get-go, we have this interesting idea that Jacob is trying to take or trying to follow after his brother, right? who is the firstborn. There's this interesting scenario when they're older then. Esau is, again, this, this hairy guy. He is this manly man. He is the hunter in the story. And he is favored by his father Isaac because he can go out and kill wild game and then make stew. Okay, so he's the favored son. Okay, Jacob is the mama's boy, he is favored by Rebekah. Okay, and uh, so Esau comes in one day and is just exhausted and really hungry from the hunt. And Jacob, he says to Jacob, get me something to drink and something to eat. And Jacob says, I'll get it for you if you will forfeit your inheritance. If you'll forfeit your inheritance. And I don't know if Esau thinks he's joking or what, but Esau does it. He's just so hungry, he's a fine, whatever, just bring me my stuff. And Esau in faith, actually forsakes his birthright. Years later, Isaac is getting ready to give the birthright to Esau. Okay. And so Isaac says to to Esau, go out, hunt something down, make a stew that I can eat this evening and we're going to celebrate. And I'm going to finally really give you your inheritance. But Rebecca hears this. And so while Esau goes out to hunt, she real quick gathers up Jacob and she says, okay, I'm going to make some stew. Okay. You go get ready. I want you to put on one of Esau's cloaks. And then they they had skins from young goats. And they they said, put it on your hands. That means really probably like your wrists. And on your chest. So that when Isaac, who is by this point blind, sees who can't see you, will feel you and think that you are Esau. Now, I always think this is one of the funniest moments in the scripture. Right? How hairy do you have to be (laughs) for a young goat to be necessary for you to trick your father, right? So Esau, this uh, werewolf guy, I don't know. But it works. Isaac is confused because the voice doesn't quite sound like Esau, but he has the game and he has the hair and he has a cloak that's obviously Esau's. And so he gives to Jacob this inheritance. Remember, Esau had already forsaken it to him. And now Jacob, the usurper, the, the sort of trickster, takes this from Isaac now when this is found out Esau is very mad okay and when your brother is a tough hairy werewolf that's really good at hunting and then gets mad at you and threatens you you get nervous right and so so what they do Rebecca actually sends Jacob to be with her brother Jacob's uncle a guy named Laban on the way to Laban, uh, Jacob has this famous dream. You know what I'm talking about? It, we call it Jacob's ladder. He has this vision of, of, of somehow la- a ladder, an es- like in our terms, maybe an escalator. It, it's not really well pictured, but it's sort of heaven open up and, and angels coming down and angels going up. Or, um, and it's an important moment though because God gives a blessing and a promise to Jacob in this moment okay he's already promised to Abraham he's already made a covenant with Isaac and now God in his dream says Jacob I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make a, a people come out of your lineage he calls the place Bethel the house of God and he finally then gets to go to see Laban now when he gets to Laban He he comes to the area where Laban's supposed to be, and Laban is mainly a, a, a shepherder, okay, which means not just sheep, but goats and all kinds of other things that you keep out in the fields. So he gets there, he gets to a well, and he meets this beautiful woman named Rachel, and finds out that Rachel is actually the daughter of his uncle Laban, okay, so this is a kinsman. And, uh, then goes with her to find Laban and ends up living with Laban for a long time. Now, Jacob is this really good sort of business guy. And so when he gets into uh, working Laban's flocks, Laban makes a deal with them and says that they, he can keep a certain part of the flock. So a certain number of sheep, a certain number of goats, goats. Jacob's allowed to keep out of Laban's flock to build up his own sort of estate. Everybody following me? But Jacob is always a swindler. And so what he does is, even though he's only allowed a certain portion of the the young sheep, the young goats, the young flock, what he does is he keeps the best for himself. Okay? So eventually, his flock is outproducing the other flock. Okay? He keeps back the best sheep for himself. Okay? This does not make Laban real happy. Okay? So Laban is upset And you see Jacob, what is he doing again? He's swindling to get what he wants. He's swindling to get what he wants. So, as he gets a little bit older, he decides he wants to get married. And he's got his eyes on who? Rachel, Rachel, because she is beautiful in figure. Rachel has an older sister, remember her name? Leah. And did, did you notice what the text says about Leah? She has weak eyes what does that mean right what does she so she has weak eyes what does that mean Uh, we sort of wonder if um, if maybe you know a lot of us have glasses here today if you didn't have glasses what would you be doing you'd be squinting so is she just a person that really can't see very well so she's squinting all the time is that what weak eyes mean Um, does weak eyes mean her, her eyes don't trace well you know, so her eyes, she's looking at you, but one eye's looking like over here. You know what I mean? We don't know. So we have beautiful Rachel, and then we have Leah with this description of weak eyes. And, and actually, the, the, the Hebrew word here is very interesting, because it could mean weak, but the word probably means more like fair, okay? And, um, and so fair can also mean beautiful, right? And even in Hebrew... You can have a fair maiden, right? doesn't mean a weak maiden. can mean sort of a beautiful, innocent sort of uh, uh, tender. That's really the word, tender. Um, so what's going on with her eyes? We, we don't really know. What we do know is it, that Jacob is so in love with Rachel, he agrees to spend seven years working to marry her. Okay, Laban, okay, I will spend seven years to... So he finally gets to the end of seven years. It's a great story. you got to go read it for yourself, okay? The night of the wedding, she's wearing a veil. They would do some sort of veil process in those days, okay? And Jacob gets intoxicated, okay? Jacob gets very, very drunk. And he wakes up in the morning to find that he has married not Rachel but he has married Leah, okay? He wakes up in the morning and rolls over, and looking back at him is not Rachel, but Leah. At least he thinks she's looking at him, because maybe the eye is, we don't know. So, now he's mad. Now he's mad, and Laban says, but she's my older daughter. i got to marry my older daughter first. And so he wait he married, waits another 7 years of working before he finally gets to marry Rachel. Okay? And it causes all kinds of problems, okay? In the Bible, the Bible doesn't really say that polygamy is wrong. It's part of the culture in those days, but it never works out well. Okay? It never works out well when we have two wives, one can have children, one can't, one's children are favored over the other. It's not a good process. But it becomes this sort of conflict. I think there's important lessons for us here. One is that marriage is a commitment best made sober, right? <laughs> but one of my professors in seminary, he, he said about, not marriage, but he said about pastors taking churches. But I think it's very true of marriages, right? When you get married, and I've, I've talked about this at weddings before in the, in the wedding uh, sermon. When you get married, you actually marry two people, and you don't know it, okay? You marry the person you think you're marrying... And then you married this other stranger that came along. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you, you've had this experience, right? Like, even to this day, I will sometimes look at my wife and be like, who are you? you right. You, you, you get the Rachel that you think you're getting. And you get the Leah that's the tag along that comes along, that comes along for the ride that you weren't expecting right and my, my professor was saying as a pastor when you take a new church you do all this interview stuff I'm sure it's the other way right but you get the church you think you're getting and then you get this weak-eyed other church <laughs> right you, when you take a job you get the job you think you're getting and then you get all this other stuff you know what I'm talking about everybody's experienced this okay in life you get your Rachel that you think you're getting and you get your Leah that you weren't expecting at all and part of happiness, I'm not sure happiness is a biblical category, but a part of joy and part of contentment in this world is making peace with your Leahs, okay? Is, is, is saying, okay, I get the stuff I want, and I get the stuff I don't want, and I better make peace with, with that. I feel that way about myself, too, by the way. How many of you, you got parts of yourself you like, and then I got this weak-eyed parts of myself I don't really care for that I wish I didn't have along, And part of being a an adult is learning to deal with both the Leah and Rachel parts of you. You got a choice to make. Will you long for and demand the idealized person you thought you were marrying? Or will you make peace and fall in love with this weak eyed stranger that came along for the ride? So (laughs) Jacob's stuck. And he has to marry these two women and and over their lifetime it kind of becomes a challenge. Eventually, he has to leave Laban, and I think he wants to go home. He, he, he's been away from home. He wants to go home. He, he sends messengers and he sends gifts back to his brother Esau, hoping that that will make peace. The, his uh, emissaries come back to him and they say, Esau is coming to see you. And he's bringing about 400 men with him. So, if you're Jacob, what are you thinking? I'm dead. I'm dead. My warrior hairy brother is coming to get me. (laughs) So Jacob is waiting for his brother. And he sends his family across the river. And he divides up his flock so that if Esau gets part of them, he doesn't get the other. And and what we really think is, especially because we know the day that Esau shows up, what Jacob does is he puts his family and he he puts his servants. And then he stands back. So Esau's got to get through everybody and he can run, okay? Um, But in the middle of the night, Esau's there by himself. He starts to wrestle with a man. We get this strange story of of him wrestling some character and really wrestling to kind of a tie. He gets this character into a headlock or something where he can't quite let go. And then the character touches his hip and, and dislocates his hip, right? And what's his demand bless me. I am not letting you go till you bless me. Now, if you've been following the story, you know how crazy this moment is. What do you mean bless you? Jacob, you've been blessed all through this story. Remember the blessing that you stole from your brother, that your brother forfeited, then you stole from your dad. Remember you cheated Laban out of his flocks. Remember, you worked seven years to get one woman, you got cheated, but then you worked seven years to get what you wanted. God promised you a blessing when he gave you the vision of Jacob's ladder, right? How much more blessing does this guy need? Okay, we get this interesting moment. I think Jacob's been wrestling with God his whole life. And here's the wrestling for Jacob. Jacob is wrestling for what he wants. Okay, He wants something. And when he wants it, he's going to connive, and he's going to lie, and he's going to cheat to get what he wants. Okay? Jacob is a guy that is obsessed with his own blessing, with what he wants. And there's no room for God in that scenario, because I don't need to rely on God if I'm going to do all the conniving to get what I want. So here Jacob wrestles, and he gets a limp. He gets this pain in his hip. And and the text says he's got to limp away from it. Like almost like he lives his entire life with that limp. But that limp marks humility for Jacob, I think. This is a turning point for Jacob. Where instead of seeking for himself what he wants in his own blessing, he's not going to actually trust God to be God in the process. I don't know about you, but I have some limps. I have some limbs from those moments in my life where I finally had to humble myself before God because I was about to royally mess stuff up doing it my way. And a lot of us have made mistakes because we tried to do what we should have been relying on God to do. So God give Jacob gives Jacob a new name. What's that new name? Israel. Israel. Okay? So Israel. And Israel means to, to wrestle or to fight with God. Okay? So I want you to think about this nation of Israel that is sometimes in the Old Testament called Jacob and sometimes in the Old Testament called Israel, um, that their identity is an identity of wrestling with God and of usurping and sort of grabbing at heels. So the next day, Esau comes. Jacob is super nervous, right? And he limps up to see his brother. And his brother comes at him. And gives him a great big hug. And all the anger he thought was going to be from Esau. Esau has, has done fine. He has worked hard and made a life for himself. And what Esau really wants is a relationship with his brother. And they hug each other. And they cry. And the relationship is restored. Jacob has how many sons later? Do you know? Twelve. Jacob has the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay, he has 12 sons that become this huge family. He does not quite learn the lessons of his father, if you track the story. Uh, Jacob has his own trouble with favoritism of his sons. Okay, he has a son he really loves named Joseph. And he gives him this amazing technicolor dream coat. Okay, and makes his, all, all the other brothers mad so that um, they end up putting him into slavery. And he, that ends up being how God saves the family. Isn't it amazing and hopeful to think that God works through scoundrels? Anybody? Now, there's a really interesting part of the story, though. If you track the story, they end up having to go to Egypt with Joseph because, uh, because of the, um, the, the famine that goes on. And uh, somewhere in there, on the road, Rachel dies. Okay, Rachel, the younger sister that, that Jacob wanted so badly dies. And when Rachel dies, she is buried there. She is buried on the side of the road there. Okay. When Leah dies, though, Leah's body is taken back to the promised land. Okay, and so when you, when the graves, we don't know where they are anymore, but when there were graves there, you had Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob and who? Leah. It seems like in the end, he found, he is buried with Leah. Okay, one of the things I notice in couples that have been married 67 years, right, is um, a lot of times it's the little idiosyncrasies right the little stuff that drove you crazy in your first two years of marriage that end up being the glue and the pieces that you miss when you lose a spouse jacob understood that that actually a lot of god's blessing for him came not from rachel but from leah came not from what he wanted but what he got as a tag along now, one of the things that stories don't lend themselves to the same way for sermons, and I'm sorry about this, but are points and applications. Okay, I can't tell you the point of this, this story, right? Because it's a story. I hope it haunts you all week and you've got to think about Jacob and, and uh, got to wrestle with some of these things. But, but I think stories do lend themselves to good questions. So here's my questions for you after this story. Where are you like Jacob? Where in your life are you really trying to wrestle for what you want instead of trusting God with what he gives you? What are you trying to pursue in your own way instead of relying on God? What are the lias that God has given you that you don't want, but God has something to teach you and a gift for you in those weak eyes? Where is God wrestling with you right now? If you look back in your life, where are those limps that God has given you, teaching you to trust him to be God? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this story of Jacob. We pray that you would continue to speak through the story to us. Help us to not pursue what we want, but to pursue what you want. And to realize that sometimes the difficult things, Sometimes the patience, sometimes the things we don't want is exactly where you want to teach us the most. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.